Welcome to episode, I want to say this is 70 of the Cigar Snob Podcast right. and episode, Mike, what are we at? Like 23, 24? 24, I believe. 24 yeah. of Tea Time with Mike and Mike. Ladies and Tea Time with yeah. Mike and Mike. There we go. <laughs> I, love how, I love how Mike had to say, stop your yeah, intro. Yeah. No, no, I'm no. going to do my intro. I'm going to do my stop sexy it. voice. Yeah. yeah, stop it. I kept it short. You know, yeah, I didn't yeah. do the whole like... Well, we're here with the uh, the smoking daddies of Miami, Cigar Snob <laughs> Magazine. You know, <laughs> so we got a we got a little bit of a weird special thing going on today. Yeah, if you thought it wasn't possible to hear two podcasts at once, you were all the fucking way wrong. Welcome to the all future. the way wrong. Welcome Game to the future. It's 2019. <laughs> Game changing. So, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Cigar Snob. I am Nick Jimenez. Some of you may know me as the uh, the sound guy, the sound, the sound guy, formerly known as Nick Jimenez, yes. <laughs> on the Tea Time podcast. Uh, in my day job, I am the senior editor at Cigar Snob Magazine, where we also have a podcast. And I am joined by the big boss man, publisher Eric Calvino. What's up, y'all? Right. Boom! I'm a big How about a fan. horn. How about oh, a horn? Oh, oh where's, no. where's Ivan no, with the horn? There's no horns. Um, Shit I got sucks. no horns. Yeah, I got a no trumpet horn. in the car. I'll be uh, there. You go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, I'll let you guys do your own intros. But as I said, we're doing two podcasts in one. This is going to live on both podcast feeds. We're joined by the dynamic duo of Tea Time with Mike and Mike. Mike, so, introduce yourselves. So my name is Mike. I'm also uh, Mike. Yeah, hence our name, Tea Time with Mike and Mike. <laughs> I'm Mike Beltran. I'm the owner and chef of Ariat Restaurant in Coconut Grove, and also the co-host of tea time with mike and mike whoop whoop uh, i'm mike ortiz uh i'm the founder of jojo tea we're a small tea company in miami florida and uh and i'm also co-host of a tea time with mike and mike and uh and i'm, I'm actually like truthfully i'm new to the world of cigars so i feel like it's like a uh, kind of important thing to uh to open up with about myself although i'm enjoying this one very much uh yeah, it's, um, so I'm excited to, to share some time. I'm going to brew some tea for us. I'm going to brew some Oriental Beauty and some Old Pour from like 2005 from Sichuan Bana, like Old Tree, nice stuff. Coño. We're going to have to revisit all of those things you just yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can you but spell it'll be that a nice time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just one more time. So, but before we do all that, if you're a fan of advertisements and you're listening to the Tea Time podcast, you're going to have to stop here and switch over to Cigar Snob for this word from our sponsor, Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense, plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. All right, and now we're back. You either heard an ad or you didn't. Hey. <laughs> That's pretty funny. We should create some fake ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? For sure. Yeah. We should just create commercials for JoJo Tia for Ariette. Be like, oh, man, I was I'm going was to great, dinner man. the other day at Ariette. Man, what a good burger. <laughs> okay, that was a word from our sponsor. So at any rate, we just keep on going. So as, as is our custom on the Cigar Snob podcast, we are always smoking cigars while we do our thing. Eric, you pulled all these from the uh, from the vault. 
Yes, I did. Also our humidor with a faulty locking mechanism. <laughs> that, that's exactly um, what it is. Tell us about what we're smoking. I know I'm smoking Don Pepin Original. Don Pepin Garcia Original. The Original Blue. Which is a cigar I'm a huge fan of. And what did you pull for everybody else? Because I think everybody else I, took the I first, I want to just say I am honored that I got the last one of these cigars in this place because it's really good. But you can, you can talk about it more. So Mike Beltran is smoking the Sin Compromiso, which was our number one cigar of 2018. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, nice. That was the last one we had in-house. Numero uno. We're waiting to get more. They're uh, back-ordered nationwide. Good uh, for that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic cigar. So uh, I am smoking the Tatuaje eh, Nuevitas. And uh, and Mike. Mike is smoking a mystery cigar. Mm. Pum, pum, pum. Mystery to him. Mystery to him. Are we going to yeah, do a big a reveal later? Too. Uh, no, it, it doesn't need a big reveal. Okay. But... I don't want to give too much away. Okay, okay. So that'll be part Someone of the... Someone was hanging out around the back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the cliffhanger of the show. There you what go. What is Mike smoking? Right. Mike Mike Ortiz. So, so Mike Ortiz, the tea guy, has the mystery cigar today. Um, so we... Yeah, sometimes we'll we'll do... Uh, we'll smoke blind. Something. So I wanted someone to be able to smoke blind, so that's what you got. There you go. Solid. Yeah, I'm in. You know, it. there's nothing... I mean, I, I imagine I'm going to have the same effect with tea because I don't know any of the stuff you're going to pour. But with cigars, smoking them blind changes everything. Mike Beltran has our cigar of the year. It's a 20-some-odd dollar cigar. 26 from what I hear. Something like that. Yeah. But the fact that you knew that that was a cigar of the year, that informs... Changes perspective of completely. Of course, that informs yeah. what you're doing with it. You're like, oh, shit, I'm going to But you know, really it's also this, like right? when you tell me... I mean, we talked about this a couple of days ago. Cigar of the year, whatever. I'm already skeptical. Okay. Because I'm like, bro, why is this cigar of the year? And yeah. obviously, you know I have my opinions about cigars because I smoke a good amount of cigars. Yep. So I walk in and I want to judge it. So far, it's a really good fucking cigar. <laughs> good. <laughs> so we're, we're doing good. And so, then, but, but I also, I wanted Mike to, see, when you smoke them blind like that, you're you're experiencing it completely differently. You're like, is this good? Is this a bad cigar? Is it? Yeah. What is it? So yeah. your like senses are yeah. are amped up. Yeah, sure. So sure, it sure. changes the way you're smoking it. But interestingly enough, we also me and Mike spoke about this the other day when you have to try so many different teas, right, mm -hmm. to find the ones that you really want to sell. Wouldn't that kind of be the same thing? Yeah, I mean, like you know, exactly. Like when you approach it off from this like heightened general space. That like like you know right up front with this cigar the way that I was taught to to smoke cigars was specifically in a way that's meant to pair it with tea mm -hmm. so that it's like uh, I was taught to smoke cigars in a way that it was almost like just to uh, activate your olfactory your aromatic receptors and in that sense the taste of the cigar uh, you know we're focusing I'm focusing on the flavor of the tea and the aroma of the cigar yep and the taste of the cigar is not I'm not really that that concerned about it you know. With this cigar in particular, like, I found it to be, like, you know, uh, up front quite sharp, but now it's mellowing out into, like, some, like, like cinnamon bun, like, brown sugar kind of notes that are, like, really nice and rich, you know? And it's very easy to enjoy, and I think, like, uh, based on w what I'm feeling from it, and, like, based on, like, I don't think that any of these cigars are older than, like, five years, right? So I think that we're going to, they'll, they'll be paired really nicely with this Oriental Beauty. This is like a thoroughly oxidized uh, oolong tea that is, um, it's the tea that got me excited about tea. And this is handmade by my teacher, 
uh, Rebecca Yu, who lives out in Taiwan. Uh, I'm fla- psyched about, about the, the, getting into the that. flavor yeah. profile is like it's like well you'll see when we go into it, but it's kind of known as like grilled peaches and honey. So I think that it's gonna and we and we'll be able to brew this tea maybe like ten times. So we'll be able to like have sips of tea as we move through the cigar, and as the flavors and aromas of the cigar develop and change, we'll have like a backdrop of the tea on our flavor receptors, you know, to kind of like uh, provide something to compare it with. So yours, your cigar is the most tea friendly, mm. if that is such a term, mm. right? Uh, because these these are are much bolder, yeah, right, much more in your face. That one is more, and you nailed it on the. Uh, on the aromas, by the way. Oh, cool. Nailed it. Uh, if we ever get to go to that factory with you, you'll see how much you nailed it. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> they have a cinnamon bun factory in the back. Right, right. <laughs> so, Not um, quite, but... I, I, I don't want to gloss over uh, what you were saying, but it being the tea that got you into tea. Yeah. I think for people who are listening, again, people who are listening to your podcast might appreciate the refresher, and people who are listening to us have... No idea how a person would even get into tea. I mean, cigars yeah, yeah. are obvious enough, right? There's a cigar, most towns, there's plenty of cigar shops. It's an easy hobby to get into. I, I get the sense that ge- getting to that geeky, like I'm geeking out about tea right now level, is just harder because it's less accessible. Yeah. What was your path into tea? It was like, uh, it was coincidental. I was, a, I was a yoga teacher and I was really like obsessed with yoga. I thought that yoga was like the coolest thing in the world. I thought it was amazing. I was a, I wanted to be a yoga teacher more than anything. And then, uh, I wanted to uh, teach meditation, and I stumbled into this Buddhist temple. And the Where teacher in Coconut Grove, okay. it was called Zen Village, and the teacher was from Taiwan, but she was like a master of Tibetan lineages of Buddhism, of the Karmakagyu lineage in specific. And like, you know, I had met all these yogis that were like travel, like I had met yogis that had traveled with the Grateful Dead, doing all this like shamanic sound healing and all this crazy fucking wild psychedelic yogis, you know. And then all of a sudden, I meet this little lady that's just sitting in Coconut Grove making tea for people and teaching meditation. And I was, like, uh, really fascinated by that. I was like, what the fuck is this lady's obsession with tea? Like, what's so special about the tea? Okay, meditation is good for your ma- brain and whatever. Yoga is good for your body. But what's up with this tea? And it kind of just, like, snuck into my life. And it uh, – because, like, the way, that, the way that I learned how to drink tea was a way that kind of, like, layers in with meditation practice. You don't, t- you don't use a stopwatch and steep the tea for five minutes. You use a little cup like this. See, there's enough tea in here for like maybe like three or four tea bags. But instead of letting the water sit in there for five minutes, I let the water sit in there for just a few breaths. And you steep the tea at the beginning when you're first learning how to make tea in this way. You steep it by counting your breaths. So then you're counting your breaths. It helps if you're taking slow, relaxed breaths so that you have like an even rhythm of breath. And then you're practicing meditation right after you drink the tea. What is meditation but like the contemplation of breath and then the flavor of the tea integrating with that contemplation of the breath makes that meditation a lot more enjoyable. So then you brew the tea again and again and again and that little bit of caffeine and like caffeine will stimulate, L-theanine will relax at the same time. You know, so if your tea is coming from organic soil, there's like two things happening in your body. I like to like say if it feels like when you drink really good tea, it almost feels like you're waking up from a daydream. You know, it has that quality of like a... of like uh, serene wakefulness, if you'll pardon my poetry, flower language. There you, you go. Know? Yeah, yeah. So whatever. I I, I yeah. was just interested in learning about meditation and and like this tea practice. I didn't even know there was such thing as a Taoist tea master. And this lady happened to be a Taoist tea master, and she was like, "Oh, you guys smoke too much weed. You need to drink some tea." <laughs> <laughs> and now we're here. And, and now, now we're, we're here. here. It's a smoke of something else. Cue. 
Mike, what was your path into food? And, I, and some people might already know this if they've heard your, the interview that yeah. Eric did with you. I don't know if you saw me. Just look at my watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the interesting thing about how I got into the world of food is I was always kind of there when I was a kid. I just didn't know it. And my grandparents are incredible cooks like so many of our grandparents are. And um, I was always fascinated how my grandparents could feed like an army of like 30 people for holidays or birthdays. And then they would just like, you know, everyone would come and they would get their food and they would sit and they'd eat. And my grandfather would wait. And when everyone was sitting, then he would make his plate, go sit down and he would eat. And it was like, man, I want to I be able to do that. I didn't know how to. So then I went to uh, college to play football. And um, I needed a job. Kicker, and the, right? You were a kicker, right? I was a kicker. And um, <laughs> and I, I ended up working in a restaurant, which was a chain restaurant. I worked at an Applebee's. But I just felt, you know, working in a restaurant was very second nature for me. It was yeah. very, like, natural. And I fucking hated school. I'm sorry. I just couldn't stand it. It was I wasn't good at it. I'd, but the restaurant world, as soon as I walked into it, I said, you know, there was something about it that just attracted me there. And then in that time, I said I wanted to open a restaurant. And if I wanted to open a restaurant, I need to learn how to cook. So then I went to culinary school. From there, fast forward a couple years, I ended up working for Norman Van Aken and Michael Schwartz. And those guys, you know, I mean, they're legends. I worked for a lot of other really great chefs. Phil Bryant, Roel Alcudia, guys that were, you know, amazing. And that kind of got me to where I am now. And just that, like, working for those bigger names and just feeding off of their knowledge and how much they care about product and service, et cetera, really was a game changer. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, that's like a the real quick overview on how right. how I got into food. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's – but it's just one of those things that when you when you know you really love something – it's just, it's quick. It's like love at first sight. Yeah. But it was in a restaurant for me. I'm really looking forward to later in the podcast when we get into some of the stuff you don't love. <laughs> I think that's going to be Man, this the, is a loaded, it's a loaded week. We and go. I can't wait. So what Eric, grinds my gears? <laughs> <laughs> for, for the people who are coming in through Tea Time, talk a little bit. I mean, this is a, an origin story that people maybe uh, who listen to us are familiar yep. with. But w- where does Cigar Snob come from and how did you get into so, 13 years ago, the, the landscape of cigar magazines uh, just didn't work for me. Uh, I couldn't really get into any of them. There was just uh, Cigar Aficionado, huh? There was Cigar Aficionado. There was another one called Smoke. Oh. And there was uh, another one called Cigar Magazine. And, and they just they didn't, they didn't speak to me. Yeah. You know, just like when, when Mike walked into a kitchen and uh, he spoke that language. Mm. these magazines didn't speak the language that I was used to speaking in terms of cigars growing up Cuban in Miami. Uh, cigars are an everyday part of our life. We don't, we don't get stupid about it. We were into it, and we analyze it, and we like the flavors and the aromas and all, all of those things that, uh, that normal cigar smokers enjoy. But there's not all the pomp and circumstance. But we don't, yeah, we don't just get, yeah. I call it being getting stupid about it. Yeah. Right, like uh, we don't have to light our cigar with a with a cedar stick. Uh-huh. 
right? I mean, <laughs> my grandfather smoked cigars his entire life. All, all these guys, if you go down to a farm in Nicaragua, you walk around a farm with Pepin Garcia. The guy's lighting a cigar with a Bic or a De Jeep. It's a, you know, like one of these, yeah. one of these deals. And this is the guy whose livelihood depends on making sure that he's tasting what the cigar tastes like. So yeah. if he, if it's good enough for him. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the point. So, as I touch up my cigar with my St. Dupont. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of all that stuff For nowadays. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, namely, because they make our lives easier. Of course, right? So we can light a cigar in a field with a with a with a torch as opposed to a a soft flame lighter. But anyway, uh, so it just it didn't work for me. Also, I saw all these events going on around town, these cigar events. Yeah. And no one was doing anything about them. So no one. You did a cigar company did an event at a at a cigar store, and. Nobody would hear the about event it. was over, and if you went to the event, great. If you didn't, you missed it. Yeah. So, so I found that there was like a there was an avenue there that there was a void, right? You could you could talk about these things, and you could talk about cigars in a more normal way, uh, and not talk about f- esoteric flavors and aromas that the regular guy just can't get. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm trying to convey a flavor profile of a cigar to you, I can't use flavors and references and aroma references. That you've never had because yeah. that that does nothing for you. Yeah. And so that was that was a big part of not being stupid. Yeah. Right. Don't don't tell me that the cigar smells like sandalwood, right? I, I don't know. I've never walked up to sandalwood, and I don't even know what it looks like. Oh my God, Eric's gonna hate me. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's not. I'm getting fiddle pollen. Get the fuck out of here. No, 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 no. You do have to get to that level at a at a certain point. <laughs> but for the, the for the masses, like a guy who's into the tea at the level that you're into, you have to kind of get to that. Mm-hmm. But for the mass, we produce a magazine that's a consumer magazine. Heard. And so, so for for everyone, for a general mass okay. of people to understand what we're trying to convey as a flavor profile, you have to generalize it. You can't get so specific. So if it, like we'll go as specific as, as differentiating coffee from espresso. Sure. Because that, that's a difference that I think people can, can right. kind of get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't, we don't get into the difference. Ethiopian coffee Ethiop- versus Colombian coffee. Exactly. We yeah. don't do all of that. Right? There's, a, there's a guy in the, in the Midwest who's yeah. smoking cigars and been doing it all his life. He's never had Ethiopian coffee. He's had Folgers his whole life. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And sometimes when he goes to an Italian restaurant, he has espresso. Uh-huh. So he's got those two. Of course, of course. But let's not get so crazy about it. Sure. So anyway, we, we wanted to create something that, uh, that spoke more right. to the regular cigar smoker. Sure. And so, anyway, that that's uh, that's longer than I wanted to get into. No, so. I mean, I think um, just talking about, like, the world of cigars, the world of food, the world of beverage, whether it be tea or coffee, the one thing that always, because I'm, I'm like that. I'm not like, well, this reminds me of sandalwood. Or I like cigars because of the taste, the flavor profile, but I don't really get all that deep into it. What I did love about cigars at a very young age was just that kind of like community aspect. And I talk about it with food all the time. You know, I used to, when I was younger, would smoke cigars with Eric Espinosa. Shorty. And uh, his son at a little cigar shop on 107th. And it was just like, we would be there every Thursday and we would smoke and we would play dominoes and we would, you know, we would just have a good time. There was no one like breaking down the cigar and talking about like, well, you know, it has this and it has that. We were just like really just having a good time. And I think we lose a lot of sight of that when it comes to 
the world of whether it be cigars or food and beverage, whatever it is, at the end of the day, for me, my job is to execute an experience for somebody on a certain day. And it's for them to legitimately have a good time. Yeah. You know, forget about your day. Talk to whoever you care about. Ask them how their, their day was. And I feel like cigars is very similar. Absolutely. So that to sorry, me is, sorry to interrupt, but we've, we've just been given tea by Mike. Do, what, uh, how should we be drinking this? Sure. No, yeah. So here, here's the deal. I, I just like uh, as 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 we're going, I'm gonna be making tea. Just when, when you finish, uh, give me your cup back, and I'll be like refilling round after round. Um, as you sip it, I encourage you to slurp it, uh, slurp it at the front of the mouth, slurp it at the back of the mouth, kind of like this. A little ASMR for our listeners here. Oh yeah. Listen, my tacita is the is the the four three. Her. <laughs> Oh, I think they're all four. They're three. all four three. <laughs> no, I got, I got two five. I Merging of cultures here. I like it. So we're drinking these very fine teas out of, out of our cafecito tazas. Yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go, what you were saying? No, and it's it's really just, and we continue doing it right now, which is kind of the community aspect of what is food and beverage and something like cigars. It's an opportunity to really connect with people, mm-hmm. and. I think in today's world, and we're going to talk about it later, when it comes to social media and things of that nature, we lose sight of it. And it's really to like put your phone away, put away the day, and talk to people and talk about like how your day was. Not talk about whether this cigar reminds you of, I don't know, yeah. communist Cuba, or <laughs> it reminds you of sandalwood or fennel pollen or whatever it is. It's just to enjoy the moment. And I think that's very important. And that's what... It reminds me of a couple things. Those days with Eric when I was younger, playing dominoes, having a good time, playing dominoes with my dad, even though my dad isn't a cigar smoker, and, you know, being at a cigar shop. And I think that is very important. And that's why the community of cigars and food and tea and coffee are all so important to today's world because it's still a connection point to people. So the, the neat thing about what you just said so eloquently, uh, is that these products that we're talking about, sharing and community, are products that don't change you, right? Because you can do this at a bar, mm-hmm. but three drinks in, yeah, you're, it's a different conversation you're having, yeah. right? <laughs> and you can do it over other things that you can smoke, but after a little while, you're talking about something else. Right. So these, these products, cigars, tea, coffee, food, they change you, but they don't... They don't change you at a at a at a so profound level, right? Yep. Change you on the surface. Mm-hmm. But even deeper, if you want to go deeper into like the products that we're using, all of us on a daily basis, they are pillars of communities. Yeah, there's total communities in the DR or Nicaragua that are built off of growing tobacco. Absolutely. And it's the same way with food, and it's the same way with tea. There are farmers that their livelihood depends yeah. on me buying a tote of turnips in a week mm-hmm. or, you know, 50 pounds of beets. And that to me is kind of like my, you know, small way of giving back because I feel like it's very important for the ecosystem of food yeah. to make sure that we're providing for our own economy, you know, and not just buying, you know, food from other countries or mangoes from Mexico. We're buying mangoes from South Florida. Yeah, And I think that if you look at, coffee, tea, food, and cigars on a deeper level, it's very important too. It also like, it, put, it, it kind of puts your ass on the line. You know what I mean? Because like, 
every time that I talk with local farmers, you know, it's like, it's no secret how hard it is to be a successful organic local farmer that has like dynamic soil that's doing things right. Like just to have like dynamic, lively soil in Miami is such a challenge, you know, then to be able to generate enough profit to like really uh, have a successful operation is like, sure. it's a real challenge, you know, like for us, like, you know, our farmers are, are international, you know, they're in Taiwan, they're in uh, mainland China, they're in India, but like we'll be in India for three weeks this year. And dude, those, those farmers are like, they're coming out of like, it's a post-colonial system, you know, mm-hmm. these systems were set up by, by British, uh, colonialists. And like, now we we have to find, you know, these small farms that are doing things the right way that are treating their farmers right. And finding those cooperatives, you know, is tremendously difficult. And then once you find them and you develop a relationship and you find a market for their tea, now it's like, you know, the, the hundreds of people that are drinking their tea every day are depending on you to, for their moment of peace. And the farmers are depending on you for feeding their family. So it's like uh, it really does put your ass on the line in a different way. It's like it's easy to talk about, man. It's easy It's easy to talk about, you know, Michael Pollan and like the omnivores dilemma and all and how important it is to have uh, organic soil and, you know, and Dan Barber and the farm to table movement. But at the end of the day, like actually doing it takes some uh, you got to kind of put yourself in the crosshairs often. Right? There's something that, that you mentioned, uh, Mike from Ariette, benefit of the <laughs> listeners. Um, where uh, you and Eric were talking about that, you know, because we're sort of in the business of uh, being hyper-conscious of all these flavors and all these aromas and whether it's tea or food or cigars, we're sort of used to having our heads in that space. But the consumer or the diner or the tea drinker or whatever, uh, maybe you guys disagree, but it's almost like the all of that happens, all the work is in a way sort of thankless because the most effective end product is mm-hmm. the one that nobody notices. The problem comes when you're talking, when you're playing dominoes with Eric or whatever, <laughs> and somebody stops because they have to say, something is wrong with this, or yeah. there's too much X in right. this food. Yeah, or I can't smoke and it, it doesn't draw, or the, whatever. The, like the, the most effective thing is where, without anybody even really being all that conscious of it, the conversation and the whole experience is heightened without anybody having to actually come out and say like, mm-hmm. this is better because the chef or the cigar maker or the guy who fermented this tea did X, Y, and Z. I, I always feel like the, the reaction of food and I guess cigars could be the same thing. If they really don't say much and it's more like a kind of like a head nod or, uh-huh. um, you know, like I, I love it when Mike Ortiz comes to Ariette to eat yeah. because he'll sit in the corner and he'll order his venison and he'll be listening to music and you just see him like, he'll eat a bite of the venison and he'll be like, oh. he says nothing, <laughs> but his head bobs and he's listening to music and it's all like, to me, that is that is the ultimate execution of what I want. Right. I don't want anyone to come to me like, oh yeah, Tom and Pingo. Yeah, I don't, you I don't, crushed it. And I, I take compliments very strangely. I'm like, oh, whatever, thanks. You know? To me, that matters more. Or if I see like, um, I love talking about our chicken because it's delicious. And it's, you know, people, everyone have this almost like negative connotation of chicken because they're always meal planning. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to get the chicken. Get the chicken. It's fucking awesome. And then when you eat the chicken, you're like, yo, what is this? What'd you do to this? Nothing. I did zero. I bought it from a good place. We cooked it well and we served it to you. Right. To me, that's like the ultimate execution of what we're trying to do. And... I, th- I think it goes with anything that we're 
we're providing kind of like an experience, I think that that's really what matters. Yeah. And, and I think like, like my goal, like when I make tea for somebody, my goal when they finish, I, w- I really want for them to be like, damn, I want to learn how to make tea better. You know what I mean? So that I could share tea with people so that I can have a moment for myself. Like I want to learn how to make tea better. Yeah. When I, when I fucking had your chicken, I was like, damn, I want to learn how to cook better. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like that, you know, it's true. It's just a chicken and fucking and, salt. And that's, whatever. I think maybe the difficulty with not a difficulty, but it's it's one thing that I think sets cigars apart. Yeah, because nobody's ever going to get to that point where they think, okay, tomorrow I'm going to pick up cigar making, right? That's, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's well, not. Actually, I don't know, man. I mean, I was having a conversation last night with uh, a local artist, kick ass Lebo. I was having a conversation with him about how, like, it's true that this is the first time in the history of the world that un guanito come mierda like me at 25 years old could be like, you know what, I want to. I want to sell Chinese tea, <laughs> and I could do it. It's crazy, dude. It's like the, the I I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked at all if right now as we're talking, there's some fucking sixteen year old kid in Milwaukee that is like, you know what, man, I'm really into this cigar thing. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go move to fucking I don't know Guatemala for Nicaragua. I don't know for a year and make some cigars. I bet that's happening right now. Oh, but but I mean, you know, more just well, no, there casual, are stories like, like that. For you sure. can't you yeah. can't just go home the way that like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna make a frita tomorrow. You can do that. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah, brew. Yeah. I'm gonna brew tea for five guys tomorrow because I went through it with Mike and it was cool and I want to do it now. Yeah, like you can't be like I'm gonna go make a cigar. Yeah, so there's the barrier Heard there. That. Yeah, is Makes a little sense. higher. Yeah. Um, all right. So again, if you're into advertisements, switch <laughs> over to the Cigar Snob Podcast. This time we're switching it up instead of our pre-recorded ad. This is a live read, people. Oh, I can't wait for this. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by El Galang Cigars. El Galang has a new cigar, sort of new. It's already been out since October. I should change this copy that I'm reading. It's a number three. Yeah. It is our number three cigar of the year. It is Vegas del Purial. We gave it number three in Lancero, but it comes in other sizes that are also good. Egalang announced the upcoming, uh, announced the release uh, ahead of the uh, last IPCPR trade show, and ever since, it has been a very successful release. Case in point, top 25, number three. It is an homage to El Galang founder Felix Mesa's paternal grandparents, Felipe, and Caridad Mesa, who grew up, uh, who grew tobacco in the Cuban province of Las Villas. It is also an homage to their farm. The cigar is made at El Galang's Esteli factory and features an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, and a new hybrid tobacco called FFMC96. I don't know what that stands for, but it sounds pretty technical. For the binder. It'll be available in four Vitolas. Robusto, which is a 5x50, a 5.5x52 Belicoso, a 7x38 Lancero, again, that was our number three, and a 6 and 3 quarters by 52 Super Toro. The Super cigars, Toro! That's what they Super used to call me Toro. in high school. They called you the Super Toro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. The cigars range in price from $8.90 to $10 a cigar. Go get them. Go get them. Le decían el Belicoso. El Belicoso. <laughs> This is uh, interesting. All right, so that's the end of our uh, that's the end of our live read time. All right, and rock from and roll. there, we're jumping into the moment that all of us have been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, Mike from Ariette, what's pissing you off these days, man? <laughs> I um, it's a really loaded week for me because you know I I've always been the the kind of person that I will speak my mind regardless of repercussion, and I think we should all really leave live our life like that. So this week I had an, uh, kind of a back and forth with some foodie influencer types. And 
really, the moral of that entire story is, if you get paid to eat a product, right, or you don't pay for said product, I don't know how you can have a very subjective view on what the 20 best products of that variation mm. are. And for or me... objective view. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. And it, it just blows my mind how everyone looks at me and says, well, how dare you attack said person? And in my mind, once you step into the celebrity, the, the world of celebrity, you're, I mean, you're going to get questioned and people will... You're fair dis- game. Yeah, you, people will disagree with you. And for example, me or you or Mike, you know, we put ourselves out there. You have a magazine. I'm sure there's people that don't like the magazine. Absolutely. And I'm sure that you, when you decided to do that, said, I'm okay with people disliking what I'm going to do. I deal with it every day. People could dislike my food and they can yelp it. They can social media. They, they can do whatever they want. And I've also decided that I'm not going to listen to the white noise. You know, it's the decision I made when I said, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to open a restaurant. I'm going to share my view on food and my view on a food and beverage experience. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's definitely a strange time that we live in when, you know, you're not allowed to share your opinion without saying you're attacking someone. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's very like the, there's no base there because if we all can be judged every day on what we do, why can't someone else that gets paid for what they're doing get judged the same way? Of course. It's, it's not right. And I will say in the same token, there are plenty of foodie influencers, or I'm sure there's many in your industry as well, that do a great job. And they just genuinely care about product. Yep. And, you know, maybe some are paid and maybe some aren't. But, you know, in our industry, the food industry, there's lots of great food bloggers, influencers, and such. But there's also a large majority, and I mean, I can go to my inbox mm-hmm. on Instagram and say, hey, we would love to collaborate. I don't think people really know what that means. Right. You know, the collaboration that you want something for free for three free posts and an Instagram story? I'm sorry, I don't, I don't see, the, I don't see the, the value in that. Yeah. What, what's the ROI, the return on investment? You know, because a good friend of mine, Pablo from No Name Chinese, made a great point. He said that $90 meal that you're consuming for free goes a very long way. And you would have no idea because you don't live on our side of the fence, which is, you know, managing the business, managing the employees, ordering the food, executing the food, everything. It goes so much farther than you would imagine that... You know, I think maybe some people need to take a step back and understand a little bit more. And some of these people, I mean, they get paid big money. Yep. Like huge money, more money than than a lot of chefs out there. Like it, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. The kind of industry that they've created for themselves for, you know, not much, to be honest. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you disagree, but I, I think there's also like an important distinction there to be made between whether you paid for the thing and whether you solicited a free thing and then you're going, like, cause, I mean, you know, to be frank, yeah, we, like, when we do our ratings, the bulk of the cigars, the lion's share of the cigars, we went out and we bought. 
But sometimes you just end up with a cigar in your pocket and it makes its way into, you know. Well, it's, well really, uh, the majority we buy. However, right. there are cigars that are not available in our market right. that people send us. Mm-hmm. Or there are cigars that are new that are just coming out to the market. They're not in stores yet and they send it to us. So we do get a good amount of cigars. But we're talking, it ends up being about, I don't know, 8 Eight to ten percent of what we rate, right? If maybe even lower. And there's never a case of, hey, you know, I'm in the business of offering people a rating, so long as they provide the cigar to me. That's not. And there's, I mean, in terms of how many we get and what we rate, and right. makes it to the page out of what we get, is we did, we really turn down the majority of really? what we get. Yeah. Because it doesn't make the cut. The way, just to give a little background, the way that we do our ratings is, each page in the ratings is a group of cigars that were smoked together. And there's there's six on the page, but there were usually eight or nine that were smoked in that group. Mm. So there's always two to three that never even make the page because the rating that they got is too low, mm-hmm. right? And we did it that way because we feel that what we want to showcase are the best cigars in this group of what we got. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not in the business of bashing cigars. Yeah. Right, we don't we don't want to do that. There's no point to that. Sure, sure, sure. It's not helping anybody. It's not helping you decide what you want to buy. Yeah, it's right. not doing anything. Yeah. So, uh, so you try to stick to praise. Yeah, yeah. We want yeah. we want the the best of this the group. And sometimes yeah. sometimes there there are more in the group that weren't that good. And some people would say, oh, but you bash this. No, it, it's not bad. You know, because it got an 87. That's not a bashing. Yeah, Jesus. It just that's what it got. And so anyway, uh, yeah. the majority of what we get shipped to us ends up in that two to three that don't make the page yeah, because they're just, they're not that good or they're not distributed widely enough. Sure. We don't want to rate a cigar that is only available in five stores nationwide. Inaccessible. Right. So again, who did, did I help you decide what cigar you were going to smoke? No, because you can't buy it because it's not in your market. So I think think it's also important to point out that, I mean, you've had a magazine for 13 years. I think there's, I mean, there's, you have credibility at that point, you know, you're not just someone that picked up Instagram a couple of years ago and has that's true, you know, no background, two thousand followers, and you really like food. I, I'm very sorry, but there's chefs out there that have been working tirelessly for twenty years. Yeah, you know, then for someone to come up and say, "Hey, I want to post about your food. Give me two thousand bucks. Give me five hundred bucks." No, man. It, yeah. it took it took a long time for that person to get there. So now they got to give you this for free. Sorry, I, I just I, that to me is is where you lose me. You know, like that's where where I'm kind of lost. Yeah, and not only that, but if if the if the if your output, not yours, but the this influencers or the bloggers or whatever, really had that much value, they'd be able to monetize that and recoup sure. the cost of a burger right. or a steak right. or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, if you're monetizing what I'm giving you to post. Or whatever you decide to do with it, why can't you pay for it? You know, right. I mean, I don't know. It, it's something simple. Like, let's say you charge a thousand bucks for a photo, and I'm giving you a hundred dollar meal and take a hundred bucks off. I don't know. Something simple as that. It's just like, I, this is where I, I'm, I'm very. There's like a disconnect. Sure. And people could tell me I'm full of shit all the time. I don't care. It really doesn't matter to me. And they told me this week I'm full of shit. And I'm like, doesn't matter <laughs> because the, the beauty of the world we live in is we're free to have an opinion. Right. And I think that's why 
a lot of our grandparents and parents came here to begin with. Yeah. So we could share our opinions. So which is why we didn't come here from Cuba. So some bikini clad food <laughs> reviewer. I'm not going to call out any names because you know people are like already calling me an asshole everywhere. So <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not going to change that. Hey, before that. we shift. Yeah. Now that we've gotten, I think we're all roughly halfway into the cigars. I'm we we went into a little bit yeah. of you know where the tea came from and and what we're drinking and you got into some of the aromas that you're picking up off of the off of your mystery cigar Mike yeah but tell us you know at least you what are you getting out of the tea so for this and tea what's, what's your experience with this pairing so far yeah yeah so the first the first tea that I used to tell you the truth I felt like uh like it was kind of like a little too mellow it wasn't like bright enough for what I was looking for so I switched up to this tea that I brought this is an aged tea from 2005 from like wild tea trees it's a category of tea called Pu'er. It's a tricky uh, category. but uh, Pronunciations are always... <laughs> Come on, say it again. It's two syllables. Pu is the first syllable, and er Pu'er. is the second syllable. So pu'er. Um, so pu'er, like it can't be called pu'er. Can we just call it pu'er? Yeah, a lot of people called it old, call it old wild poo. You know, yeah, really, yeah, because it's the only, it's like it's the tea that's meant to be aged, you know. Uh, so old, and it's and it also comes from wild tea trees. So no, old what wild does poo. aging do to tea? Okay, so tea, the tea leaf has tannins in it. As if it comes from wild tea trees, right? Then the roots, you know, the trees are like at least a hundred years old, but the oldest tree is three thousand two hundred years old. Those roots go deep enough to pull minerals from below the soil and from the bedrock. Those minerals make their way into the leaf. As that leaf ages, the tannins break down in the leaf. As those, like, tannins break down, there's these big, like, tannins are these huge complex molecules. As they break down, there's these, like, free-form clusters of molecules floating. And if there's enough minerals, then those uh, tannins combine with the minerals to create these complex chain sugars. And uh, so the flavor profile is uh, very different. The way it sits on the breath will be very different. So as we continue to move through this tea, I think we'll have we'll find a lot more mouthfeel and uh, and uh, flavor components that can match with uh, with our respective cigars. This tea is a little bit more in your face, you know. Yeah. For sure, no, yeah. you could you could see it from the first brew, from right? the first sip, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you were talking about the you know concern about whether, but I think that the tea stands up to even this being original. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm, this one tea's does. not getting lost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, when you when you served this last one. I had to look down at it, and I was about to ask you, "Hey, how is it that we're getting darker?" Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I hadn't noticed that that you had yeah, switched yeah. it up. If uh, I think like a uh, teas like this, like they because because those chain sugars are so complex, they kind of like layer themselves in between your taste buds and the oil of the tea. So the more of the tea you drink, the more of those oils you get. The more of those oils you get, the more you have those complex chain sugars sitting on your taste buds as you continue to breathe and combine the aromatics of the cigar. Your like your aromatic receptors are still playing with the fumes coming off of your tongue from the tea. So as we continue to drink the tea, like you know, you'll you'll taste the tea a lot more. There's a cumulative effect. Yes, like hot sauce. Yeah, I like oh, that. All right, you, you ready for the segue? Well, hang on. Oh, okay. Can we okay. break? Uh, so you you said earlier, you took a puff and and you said, hmm, interesting. Yeah. What was that about? And that was about the cigar, obviously. Because I'm getting like a, back then it was like a big, uh, like a cantaloupe note. And I was surprised to see fruit notes come out later in the cigar. Usually in my experience with cigars, I get fruit notes earlier and then I get more like a thick notes later. 
And I found I found you a get honey. darker. Yeah, it gets typically yeah. darker and yeah, not I found fruitier a, and lighter. Sure, I found a I found a strange, really round, like a uh, aromatic component of honeydew melon. But then it like kind of uh, went toward like a flavor that I could only I've never tasted this before. But it's like if you if you like uh, sear a steak with cinnamon, you know, like you season a steak with like salt, pepper, cinnamon. That's like the aroma that I that I was messing with. You see what I'm saying? It's horribly specific. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm digging sorry, it. I'm digging it. It, it, it works in this space. It yeah. wouldn't work in the magazine, but it works in the space. Cool. All right. I dig it. So, so I, I think we can we can say what it is. Yeah. Let's tell the people. So yeah, that that's exactly. You knew it because of the initial yeah. assessment, right? Mm-hmm. So Ivan, yeah, yeah. Ivan is back. You guys can't hear him, but Ivan's back there, and he guessed right. Uh, normally, we play a little guessing game yeah. when we're smoking blind. Mm. Uh, after you've already submitted your notes and and everything, then we start to okay. try to whittle down what it is that we're smoking. Cool. And so he nailed it on the first shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is that is a fuente that that sort of uh, Christmas bread, uh, mm. Christmas cake, yeah, kind of cinnamon. Cool. Uh, that's a very signature fuente aroma. Cool. And so it was funny that you nailed it. How long have you been smoking cigars? Dude, I, I've been smoking cigars for just like a few months. But yeah. I got like a... But I, I'm... It's ridiculous. I'm a spoiled fucking brat, man. I, I, I've i been smoking cigars for like three months. And the cigars that I've been smoking... Dude, like you're, you're going to punch me in the mouth when I tell you what I've been smoking. Not not here because we, we can smoke everything. So. I've been smoking 19... All, all Cubans. 1940s H. Upman. 1950s Punch. 1960s Corona de La Habana. 1970s eh, Monte Cristo. 1970s Romeo Julieta. And uh, 1980s... What did I smoke from the 80s? I think it was another H. Upman. You know? So I like uh, I, I and like and I smoke those, pair them with tea, and study them. You know, I have like a spreadsheet of all the notes for each cigar that I'm pulling out. So yeah, Cuban cigars tend to be milder, especially that old. Yeah. Right. So obviously they're going to be very mellow, mm-hmm. which works perfectly for tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're smoking is a Fuente Sungrown. It's it's not an expensive cigar, uh, but it is one of Fuente's best selling cigars. Mm. And again, it, it was funny that you nailed it, and I'm curious. How does it how does it work in in comparison to what you've been smoking? Yeah, like so. Truthfully, like uh, I think that like I feel like it's a a little a little too sharp for like what I'm uh, you know for for like for like the tea pairings that I'm trying to put together. You know, I'm trying to put together like very specifically. I want to do some tea pairings with like aged oolongs and aged pu'ers, and I want to match like you know tea from the '90s with cigars from the '90s. Um, and I, you know, I think that like there's there's because they they break down in similar ways, you know, and I think that there's tea from tea and cigars from the same era, they pair together really nicely, you know. I think that this one with that like this this is a, a new cigar. This is this was rolled in 2018. Cool. So like it like I feel like the the complexity of the mouthfeel of a pour and the aggressiveness of the tannins and like the the complexity of those sugars can stand up enough that it makes sense with a cigar. Yeah. But like uh but I think what what I what I would like to do ideally if I were going to pair this cigar is I would do like double the serving of this tea and I would brew it like I would really blast it cuz I know that this tea if I hit it really strong it would accentuate nicely with these sharp notes, you know. I think I just like came a little underprepared with like I only brought like maybe 5 grams. I think like with 8 grams of that tea it would have been nice, you know. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well we're we're all smoking Nicaraguan cigars. Mm. So if you needed to blast it for yours, which is a Dominican cigar, uh, 
and it's it's a milder cigar. These are all stronger, right? So these are these are, are all medium to fulls, and that's mild to medium. Are Dominicans typically less uh, robust than Nicaraguans? Well, you you can you can use it as a you really can't use it as a rule of thumb, but uh, but that particular okay. Dominican cigar. Okay. Uh, if you were going with a traditional Dominican cigar, I would say yes, it's milder. Okay. Right. Oh, that sure, is. There's exceptions. Yeah, that yeah. isn't. Fuente doesn't make. They're in the Dominican, but they are not very Dominican cigars. Style, they tend to be multi-country blends, so you're not always using Dominican tobacco. Oh, heard, heard. Okay. okay yeah, okay. yeah. Whereas these, uh, I think everything we're smoking, well, that uh, Mike's has a Mexican wrapper, uh, and these have Nicaraguan Habano wrappers. Very in your face. Right. Uh, yours is Mike's. Mike Beltran's is probably the probably the smoothest. Of the Nicaraguans that we're smoking, yeah, it's, it's got delicious. Like a, that really nice sort of like uh, these are meant. These are meant to be peppery. Yeah, these uh, the one that uh, Nick and I are smoking. They're both made by Pepin Garcia. They're meant to be in your face. Mm-hmm. Heavy, heavy dose of pepper, mm-hmm. uh, cocoa. Yeah. Right? Nice. So these are these are darker notes. Uh, whereas yours yours has that more cinnamon and, yeah. and maybe notes of fruit. Sure. Is there hard like, to get fruit out of? Something like this. What, what's the ideal humidity? Is there, I guess, the ideal humidity level to age a cigar changes? Is that accurate? Uh, you should just stick to 68. 68? Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Because tea, like the, the real perfect uh, humidity for tea is closer to like 75 for aging. Uh, and I, I want to put together a facility for aging tea and cigars, you know? Yeah, so cigars. It'd be a lot of fun. The, the more humidity uh, you put in the room. Yeah. The, the squishier it's going to get, mm-hmm. right? And it's not going to burn very well. No, it would have to be two separate, like, vaults. Yeah, yeah it would absolutely. have to be separate yeah. vaults. That's why I was saying that. Yeah. Uh, temperature is just as important in cigars, though. Cool. What's the temperature? What's the ideal temperature? Uh, again, keeping it in that 70 range. Okay. Uh, go higher, and there's, there's, there's things that start to happen in the cigar, mm-hmm. right? Heat yeah. activates things. Yeah. So you don't want to do that. Mm. You want to keep it... You want to keep everything halted uh-huh. at at seventy. Uh, seventy keeps that's uh, a nice stasis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, what tea and what food are we serving at the Super Bowl? Your Super Bowl party. I football still going on. That's what I hear. <laughs> Man, you know it's it's tough to talk about football and not talk about how terrible the Dolphins are. Oh my God, it's heartbreaking. Because man. I'm a Dolphin fan, and it's like as soon as December hits. Season is over. Depression it's just hits. Like, <laughs> it's like status quo. That's what happens. And when we there was an article that came out this week, the last time the Dolphins won playoff game was two thousand. Yeah, Pennington. Was no, no he lost. He oh, lost. you're right. He, he did. Marino. Two thousand. Right against the Colts in overtime. It was we more- still needed overtime to win that fucking game. And then the next. And then the next game. We got blasted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. 64, 64, 62 to 7, I think it was. God, that's Dan Marino's last game. Deeply tattooed in wasn't my heart. It, wasn't it also Shula's last game? Was it? I, I don't remember. It no, was I think just, it was Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson oh, that, that was. Point. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. Was it Jimmy Johnson? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the Jaguars, Mark Brunel. Just yep. fucking tattooed us. I watched, I watched that me? game, strangely enough, at Jose Oliva's house. Oh. We were in back in the days when he lived in Hialeah still. Yeah. Who's Jose Oliva? I have no idea. Jose Oliva is uh, ex-owner of Oliva Cigars. Oh, cool. Uh, also speaker of the house in the state of Florida right now. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. So there you go. Did I mean no pedigree? 
So what are you guys doing for the Super Bowl? We uh, Aside from crying about crying the Dolphins about not being happy. We have a special going on at our bar. So we're going to do like, we do it every year, food inspired from whatever cities are playing because none of them are ever Miami. So so like lobster rolls or? No, no. I mean, the bar scene is not really going to buy lobster rolls. But we're going to do like fried clams this year. We're going to do fish tacos for LA. And then we're going to do our regular stuff too. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's our Super Bowl game. We have a lot of drink specials too. And it's always a good time for cool. sure. I mean, yeah. last year was, last year we did Philly cheesesteaks and it were they're still on the menu because they were delicious. That's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. And we're making uh, uh, jalapeno poppers and chicken cheese sticks. <laughs> yeah, nice. Tea room. <laughs> no, actually, I'm flying to New York on, on Sunday. And, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, I mean, if I, if I, if I were throwing a Super Bowl party, dude, I'll tell you what I would do because I made a cocktail last weekend that was, uh, if you're part of my Fire. French, empingao. Oh. It was fuck. It was all right. So check it out. We did like a chilan. It's like a charcoal roasted oolong, really heavily charcoal roasted, with uh with mezcal, dry vermouth, and champagne, lemon juice, agave nectar, and a little bit of honey. And sounds it, like a damn good time. It was fucking bomb. It was. Uh, I'm like so proud of that cocktail because I'm really intimidated by dry vermouth, and that shit was delicious. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. We gotta Oops. see if we uh, get our hands on that. On that recipe and yeah, share it sounded with people. pretty damn good. How did, did you? Is that shaken or yeah, how is that? Dude, I, I I stirred it in like a three gallon bucket because it was for uh, an event at the at the. So that's classy right there. At the Home <laughs> <laughs> Depot bucket. That's perfect. It was a camera. Makes complete sense. <laughs> I love it. It was at the the Faina Bazaar. They have a shop out there called Goldish that we're doing some collaborations with. So we did it. So over you there. showed up at the Faina with a three gallon bucket it was cocktail. A it was a of camera. cocktail. It's a kitchen. Nice. It was fire. It's kitchen equipment. It's, <laughs> kitchen equipment. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Not a Home Depot bucket. Yeah, it didn't used to have like cement or something. Yeah. What are you guys doing for the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just hanging out at yeah. home. I, I we work we work on the magazine so much that when when we finish an issue, yeah, we just want to be home. Of course, <laughs> you know, you probably smoke yeah. a cigar. I will smoke a cigar. That's yeah. for damn sure. Yeah, we'll watch it in the backyard there, and I'll just grill. Do you have a planned cigar for it, or are you just going to grab something? No, I haven't planned anything, uh, but I've got the world to choose from. Yeah, I'm watching nice it that choose. way, just like the you world. have. Uh, Oof. Very like Tony Montana. You have access right? to tea. I have access to cigars. Nice, man. So I have one. I think I know what I'm smoking. I just gave away my last sin compromiso, no, so I won't be smoking go. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me. Yes. To me. Me. Hey, I have one left of the... Uh, that wad of Opus X Lanceros oh, that we picked fantastic. up in the DR the last time that's we visited a, the Fuente factory. So it's a real special cigar too. That's my uh, that's my plan for the th- which also happens to be my birthday, February third. Mm. And I don't like doing things for my birthday, so it's perfect that there will be places to go and things to do yeah. that don't involve candles and all that shit. So, yeah. So yeah, we'll get you a candle. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we'll get you a candle. Don't you worry about it. We got it. Pull up an Uber driver just opens his car. Thirteen million candles. Oh, <laughs> Happy <so>. birthday! <laughs> um, so before we part here, because usually we we go about an hour. If if we have other things we want to talk about, we don't have to stop. We can keep going. But I want to make sure that whoever's gotten this far hears our plugs, especially oh, your yeah. plugs. Mm-hmm. So. Where do they go to learn more about you guys? What should they be following? Yeah. Uh, what should they be buying from you? You know, all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm at uh, DaddySexyTGuy305.com. Nice. 
uh, you can keep up with them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you can keep up with us at uh, our Instagram handle is at uh, sip Jojo. There you can get it like a general sense of what the brand is up to. If you want to, um, you know, kind of get your feet wet and learn a thing about two, I'd recommend booking a tasting at our tea room. We do tastings every Friday and Saturday at 6.30, and uh, they're like a curated flight. You'll go through white tea, green tea, oolong tea, black tea, and pu'er, and more like uh, rare categories like yellow tea and uh, like uh, fermented teas. We'll discuss what makes them what they are and kind of like what's the best time to drink them. You know, green tea, for example, has a time release of two hours on its caffeine, so it's not the kind of tea that you'd want to have after dinner, you know. So we go into stuff like that. And then lastly, like if you, if you really want to get into tea and you want to always have tea on hand, we do something called the JoJo Club. It's a seasonal subscription. You can sign up at sipjojo.com, and we'll send you four boxes of tea a year, one box a season with six different teas, big write-up on all the teas, what makes that tea noteworthy, what makes its growing region noteworthy, what makes this particular producer noteworthy, and a little piece of teaware uh, from the team at JoJo. Nice. What's the, the learning curve like? Like, if I've never done this before and I want to get into, like, how long, how many brews does it take me to get to the point where I'm like, All right, I know what I'm doing here? I would say, like, like I, I think that, like, because there's two different elements to it. There's the technical element of brewing, right? That, that I think, like, once you brew tea, like, you know, uh, five times, you know, I'd say, you, you, can, you can make tea for your friends, you know, you can share tea, whatever. The, the first step, as far as, like, technical understanding goes, is understand the difference between the categories, right? Because, like, there's a cup of tea that's perfect for every moment of the day or the night, you know? So once you understand the categories, you'll understand, like, based on what flavor you're looking for, based on what effect you're looking for, how to select the tea for that moment. So I'd say, like, number one is to learn about the different categories of tea. Once you do that, then you'll learn what categories you gravitate towards. And then I'd say, like, that's, like, that's when the fun begins, you know? Because it's like uh, you're going to enjoy everything in that category, and it's just a matter of finding the ones that really drive you crazy. There are some teas that the second you drink them, you get, you'll get you get chills, and you don't know how or why, you know? The first time I tasted Oriental Beauty, I decided I wanted to dedicate my life to tea. What the fuck is that? Why? I have no idea, you know? But it's like yeah. that flavor profile of grilled peaches and honey, for some reason, just hit me in a way that was, like, unforgettable, you know? I think that that's, like, the magic of tea is the once you understand the technicalities of it is the discovery. You know, that's the real, that's the real joy of tea. Well, oh, that's discovery. a lot of what drives people to cigars as well. Yeah, yeah you might discovery. smoke a handful and then you smoke that one. That mm-hmm. Yep. Now, uh, what about the, uh, the caffeine level on what we've been drinking? Cause I'm, I'm cranked up on yeah. a ton <laughs> of espresso. Yeah. And then I can drink espresso most of the day. Yeah. And not get the shakes. Yeah. Tea has a different effect on me. Yeah. And I don't know if you could see it, but I'm, I'm. I'm right there, like, with the shakes. Yeah. So, are these cranked up on caffeine? There's about 20% the caffeine that you'd have in an American coffee in each sip, you know? So, it's uh, considerably less. There's also a chemical inside of tea called L-theanine that is uh, actively shown to relax the body. You know what I'm saying? Um, And then this tea in particular, because it's from wild trees, it has a higher concentration of L-theanine, you know? So, I guess, like, it's tricky because old... Old tree teas are kind of like uh, they're always different, and and they always react in people's bodies differently. It's it, like truthfully, like it sounds esoteric, but it's the truth of the matter. It like the Chinese say that tea moves your chi. You know what I mean? And like uh, like there was a moment that I was feeling restless when I first started drinking this tea. I switched over to this tea, and like uh, the the effects of tea are very subtle, you know. But there are certainly effects, and it, and it affects everybody differently. 
you know the question is what's what's pleasurable as long as it's pleasurable that's great you know if you find that whoops if you find that that, that, that tea wasn't particularly pleasurable then we know that you know this isn't a, a tea for you you know no 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 all of it was pleasurable i just i don't know if it's the combination of coffee sure sure perhaps it's know. a ridiculous amount of coffee yeah. I, <laughs> I drink coffee at uh, espresso at home or cuban coffee at home Apple, yeah before i leave yeah and and then and then here every time someone shows up it's a new mm-hmm. so you guys heard me earlier i'm always saying like i'll take a half mm-hmm. instead of a full because it's already overboard yeah uh, there's a there's some teas then that i think that you'd be interested in called ripe poor that they um they have they have like just about no caffeine. They're really mellow. The tea leaves are plucked. They're plucked, pan fired, sun dried, aged for a year, and then steamed, and then allowed to ferment for about forty five days. And that fermentation process breaks down all the caffeine. How does how does uh, fermentation work in tea leaves? So after when you Sorry, have your, am I getting too technical right now? No, no. When, okay. when you have your dry leaves, you steam them. That reintroduces moisture and like pliability to the leaves. And, and heat. You, yeah, and heat, right. But then you stack all those leaves on the floor. And I'm talking about like like a thousand pounds of tea or more. And then you cover that in a thick, wet blanket. And then the only action that's done is coming in, taking the blanket off, tossing the leaves, and putting the blanket back on. That is basically un pilon de tabaco. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly how it's done. Wow. I mean, not exactly, but yeah, but, but very, very similar. No, and like I'm just like, water. just like on a roof, a roof with walls, no yeah. air conditioning, you know, mi- minor air circulation in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with in the case of tobacco, it's the the weight itself of the tobacco is where the heat comes into play in the yeah. In, so I imagine so they turn the four degrees of just like shaking it up. They take the they take the, the the top and then they put them on the bottom and then because right, you're trying they to restack preserve. it in a in another pile. Yeah, right, right. trying not to damage the leaves as well, right? Because you got to still have whole leaves exactly. To, to oh, roll. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, um, and you've got like the uh, thermometers that go down the whole pack. They go yeah in in the tobacco world they they go in about halfway yeah. up. There's a there's a thermometer that's going to the middle. Right, right, right. Yeah. And when it gets to a certain temperature, they know they have to turn it. Same exact thing in tea. Yeah, cool. Very that's cool. cool. Mike Beltran, get your plug on. Uh, Ariad is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Um, Coconut Grove. Coconut Grove. We uh, we have happy hour every day. Four we to are seven. cigar friendly. We are cigar friendly. Absolutely. We just smoked a cigar there two days ago. Um, you know our Instagram is Area Miami. You know, follow us. The website's www.ariettemiami.com. And Ariette is A-R-I-E-T-E. Yes. Yes. And, and um, sorry. I want to piggyback on Mike's uh, plugs real quick. All you Cigar Snob listeners, follow us at Tea Time with Mike and Mike. That's yeah. Well done. Yeah, that's well done. right. We do some sexy interviews. I'll we tell do. you what. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> what? Oh, man. So... Um, yeah, I think that's the extent of my plug. Cool. And what's you have some stuff kind of on the horizon right now. I do. Um, I don't know how much of that you can or want to get into, but well, we're the the overview is we're we're opening up a seafood restaurant this year. I'm not going to put a timetable on it. Um, I partnered up with Justin Flit, good friend, great chef. So we should be opening, you know, summer of this year. Uh, we're working on on texting. Yeah, sorry, just lots of never nonstop. Uh, we're working on a Cuban cafe concept that should take off in a couple of months, and we're opening in the timeout market at the end of March. Good stuff. So, a lot of things going on, a lot of good, fun growth. Timeout market is end of March, you said? 
That's what they say. Right. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah. Time out market's going to be on the beach. Lincoln Road. Lincoln Road. Should be a fun concept. 17 stalls, you know, like the food hall is the new thing in Miami. Uh, you guys are doing that Abraham Lincoln themed thing for Lincoln Road, right? It's going to no. be a whole Abraham Lincoln. Where did I hear that? No, no, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be some really good vendors in there. We're excited More to be a part of the the concept. So boiling over should there. be fun. Should be fun. So we'll do a little segue to Eric's plug action. If you want to hear more from Mike Beltran, episode 24 of the Cigar Snob podcast. That was a rough one. <laughs> that it was, was a rough. This was early in our in our podcasting <laughs> life. My we first should redo remote. it. I think. I don't know. That's just uh, Sean. Do it. My yeah. first remote. Uh, for, that's right. That was the first remote. Uh, basically, yeah, I was leaving 24. here. And Nick is like, well, just, yeah, make sure these buttons are pressed and these ones in the back are turned this way and that way. And I was like, all right, yeah, I, I should figure it out. I used to be <laughs> yeah. a programmer. I, I should be able to do this. Yeah, no. That's we uh, we did about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes yeah. without recording. And they were oh the best 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, they were good. Yeah. It was good. It was After good. After that, it was pissed off Mike. No, right. no. It wasn't pissed off Mike. It was just a little rushed. You had, to, you had to run through some stuff pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah I mean, just, one. you know, like I never plan anything, so I don't. I didn't even remember what I said. Yeah. <laughs> so then he was asking me questions. I'm like, I don't remember how I, how I answered that. I, I want to, before actually, before we move on to Cigar Snob Plugs, because we haven't talked a lot about the specifics. I mean, we've talked about the restaurant and, and like what you're serving at the Super Bowl, but what's like somebody's in town and they're mm. only going to be able to go once. What should their order look like to get a sense of, of who you are and what the restaurant is? It's tough. I mean, I, w- I always recommend two visits, obviously more maybe <laughs> if you want. Yeah. I recommend like 50 visits. Yeah. I mean, you start off with the classics, the bone marrow grilled oyster. Oh, my God. The uh, venison tartare, the frita, depending on your feeling, the tuna conserva, which That's, that's Eric, mine. That's, Eric loves. that's my go-to. Yeah. Um, and then for entrees, the short rib is everyone's jam. Yep. Everyone loves that. Yeah. Can we talk about the lack of venison? Uh, the venison uh, is is also it's turned into kind of like a staple. It didn't yeah. hit the menu till year two, and it's stayed ever since. So it's turned into kind of a, a thing. What is chug sauce? <laughs> so chug is my nickname. Okay. Chugalug has been my nickname since I was thirteen. Happened because of chocolate milk. It stuck because I used to drink a lot of beer. Um, <laughs> So chug sauce is kind of like our ode to special sauce. Um, it's made pretty traditionally, you know, house-made mayo, ketchup, Worcestershire, a little hot sauce, and then there's a secret ingredient. Um, it's delicious. You can have it with fries, on a burger, it doesn't matter. It's really good. Good stuff. Yeah. So that's served on the chug burger, which... Award-winning God, they didn't win any awards. But <laughs> Burger Beast, which everyone loves, loves that burger. And he said it was his favorite burger last year. And That's an award, bro. Yeah, I mean, you know, Seth is great. So uh, people, We'll give it an award. We'll give it a Cigar Snob Award. Yeah, I mean, let's let's give it a Cigar Snob Award. Um, the plaque's in the mail. Perfect. Uh, do I have to pay for it? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, depending how you're feeling, you can... You can have a chug burger, you can have a short rib, you can have a venison. A big part of Ariette is kind of like showing a lot of um, kind of there's a vast majority of things that you can do. You can come to Ariette and you can spend 25 bucks, leave super full, be yeah. very happy. Or you can go there and you can drop 
you know, $80 for one person and drink some nice wine or, you know, have some good cocktails and eat a short rib or a venison or a tartare. It's all up to you. Showing that range was very important for me because I wanted people to be able to come on a Monday or be able to come on their birthday, which you should come on Sunday and uh, be able to enjoy like a more kind of like a bigger meal, if you will. Cool. So, yeah, you know, and our thing is being Cuban-American, kind of like food from like the vision of someone that grew up in Miami. I was born in Hialeah, raised in Little Havana in Westchester. And, you know, kind of what food is to someone my age growing up in Miami. And it's vastly different from what my parents eat or did eat. I mean, they have somewhat changed to eat what we do at Ariet, but it's still kind of like, you know, why am I eating raw fish (laughs) on a crudo or whatever it may be. So can I, can I ask you a question? Shoot. Um, if you had to like, if you had to pick one food item mm-hmm. to represent Miami, what would it be? Plantains. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we have it like four times on the menu. Yeah. It's hard to get away from it. I mean, yeah. you know, you sit at a kind of like a, a counter and you have like arrofrioles and maduros. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a nice restaurant that, Whoever, I don't know, any chef. And it could be like tostones with caviar on top. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that I think is very synonymous with Miami. Well, yeah. it's not even just the Cuban dishes, right? Because it's as much of a staple in Nicaraguan food, right? Puerto Rican food. And well, yeah, you know, Colombia. Miami yeah. Miami isn't just, you know, little Cuba anymore. Right. I mean, there's a vast majority of Hispanic cultures here, which I think is a big part of what makes us very special, is yeah. we are a melting pot of a lot of things. and. Those influences, especially in, in my food, are, you could see it. I mean, ají amarillo. My grandparents don't know what that is, nor would they use it. You know, so I think it's important to note. Yep. Yeah. Eric, get your plug on. It feels weird plugging ourselves on our own podcast. But we're also plugging know, ourselves on their podcast. I know, I know. It still feels weird. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can, you can find us at uh, cigarsnob.com. Our old URL, cigarsnobmag.com, still works. Yeah. And our even older URL, Cigar Snob Magazine, still works. But, uh, but yeah, cigarsnob.com uh, on social media, it's Cigar Snob Mag. Mm-hmm. So everywhere, whether Twitter, Instagram, or right. Facebook. Uh, so, uh, yeah, check out the magazine. It's in, uh, it's in Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Publix, uh, Myers Supermarkets, yeah. all, all over the country. Wow. All over the world, even. Right. And the subscription... Six issues a year, eighteen bucks. Eighteen bucks. Do it now because it's going to go up. It's uh, quick. Hurry. Yeah, I think it's it's going to go up. Uh, I think by, I think right in now. May. It's and then there's a the podcast. Bit. Then you've got that. Thank you, Nikki. Why don't you do the podcast one since that is your brainchild? You're listening to the podcast right now, <laughs> so you kind of found us. Unless you're listening to Tea Time, in which case you're missing all the advertisements. However, thanks a lot for listening to Tea right. Time with Mike and Mike. <laughs> it's been great listening to. <laughs> That's that's what his intro to their to their uh, podcast sounds like, which I'm a big fan of. I, you know, Madreo, I'm not gonna try to compete with your sexy voice. Um, but yeah, so there's the there is the podcast, and and we have all kinds of stuff going on in the podcast. So it's a it's a and the web of, the website is being completely overhauled. Overhauled. So by March, you will see a new cigarsnob.com. And here's another thing to to plug with a little bit of anticipation. If you are, are we doing Lechon Challenge again, same time of the year? 
We will definitely do it same time of the so year here in November, Miami. Roughly November, uh, we did our first big blowout event. It was the Cigar Snob Lechong Challenge. So we had five cigar manufacturers compete in a whole hog roast off. It was pretty awesome. I was a little worried going into it because I was like, I like food. And if the food is the thing and we have all these like not actual chefs cooking, could be a disaster. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Everybody made it great pick. Downright awesome. Yeah. So And it was a good time. So I don't know where it'll be, but certainly toward the end of the year, keep an eye on that. If you want an excuse to come to Miami, smoke cigars, and eat pork. Uh, There'll always be a deal in the on the hotel, and you'll you'll get tons of cigars. The value is is crazy on that sure. event for sure. So. Even if you don't want to come for the event, area it's open seven days. Right, exactly. <laughs> very yeah. true. Very true. Uh, so before we get into our parting recommendations, for those of you who are new to the Cigar Snob podcast, we always end on just everybody kind of recommending a thing. Uh, it can be we're anything, do by the way. Our last advertisement from episode sponsor, Drew Estate. All right. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense plantation-grown Magafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. And we're back, either from one second ago when you were hearing us talk about an ad or from the ad itself. Ladies and gentlemen, depending. welcome back to Tea Time. <laughs> Mike and Mike. Um, That's live, by the way. It's not recorded, right, just right, so right. everyone knows. So We so should again, record we'll, that. Senor, <laughs> daddy. We'll go, uh, we'll go clockwise from Mike Ortiz over here. What are you recommending to the people? All right. Um, I, I, I want to recommend two albums to the people. Okay? Oh, Can I do good. that? That's totally. All right, I got two Damn albums it. that I, <laughs> um, they they're amazing. One of them is called Lee. Is the name of the artist is Leon Loman, L O W M A N. Hang on, I need to go get my phone. And the name of the album is Liquid Diamonds. Wow, it's so dope. It's like it's like this jazzy synth. It's like like the whole album makes you feel like you're like driving around L A. in 1989 and you're doing well. It's fucking awesome. It's fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so jazzy and groovy and smooth. All right. And the other one, uh, actually, the other one's like really hard. Fuck. The other one's really hard to spell. Forget it. I think I should just stick to that one. It's like this French guy, Louis Ballou. So we spell it. But we do, well, Go for we it. recommend weird shit. Well, uh, it's, it, all right. This, this album is like super mysterious. It was released in 1983 uh, by a man. His name is Louis. And it's like the only album he ever released. It's L-E-W-I-S. His last name is B-A-L-O-U-E. The whole album is this guy Louis with a uh, either an acoustic guitar or a piano and a synth. The album was released in 1983. The only note on the album says special thanks to... And it's a Victoria's Secret supermodel from 1983. The, uh, like the, the record company doesn't exist. It's like a shell. It's like they, they, like the record company that they said made the album was based out of Hawaii. That record company doesn't exist. The photographer that photographed the cover of the album said that he met the guy. He commissioned him to to do the cover. He made the cover, and then the check bounced, and he never saw the guy again. And nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. But the album is fucking beautiful. The name of the album is L'Amour, like L apostrophe A M O U R E. L'Amour. It's a fucking beautiful album. Cool. Yeah. Mike Beltran. Recommendation. Yep. 
I would recommend to anyone, when you want to go out to dine and you uh, kind of want to go to maybe like a bigger name restaurant chain, instead of doing that, look for a smaller, hyper-local person that opened a restaurant, cafe, bistro, whatever it is, and try it out. And hit them up for influencer. No. <laughs> yeah. no none of nobody, that. nobody likes that, like small independent restaurant owners. So yeah. if you want to get in with them, ask them I, for free right. I, I recommend that you, you do that. Try them out. Um, support them. Because, you know, it's. I think it's a, good, it's a good thing to do for community. Are there any good examples outside of Miami, maybe other parts of the country, that, that you've had a, a great experience with? Cleveland. Okay. Uh... A good friend of mine, Brett Sawyer, opened up a small restaurant called The Plum right outside of like downtown Cleveland. And it's awesome. And it was, you know, he's off the beaten path. He's in kind of like a very, like a neighborhood in transition, I guess you will. You know, kind of like everything was abandoned. They opened up a brewery there and they, right next to the brewery, he opened up his restaurant. And it's awesome. You know, the vibe is great. The food is great. Cocktails were awesome. And it's just, it's a very cool scene, you know. And it's its very cool to see how much that community has supported him. And he's been open about as long as Ariette has. I think we both are three and some change. So that was a very cool example, kind of like in the middle of America that I loved. Nice. Cool. Eric, good stuff. So... You guys know I love wine. Uh, I've I've been knee deep in B Cellars wine uh, out of Napa Valley. I was introduced to them by Chinock Brian Chinock Cellars, who was episode number what we interviewed him. I don't remember. No, I don't have that. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. It's in there. Yeah. Uh, so Brian, when I went out to visit him uh, out in Napa, he's like, "I know you love cab. I know you like Napa cabs. I'm gonna take you to what I think." This is a guy who. Uh, has his own winery. It's like what I think is the best Napa cab right now. And so we had this uh, B-Sellers. They have a a series called the Beckstoffer series. For those people that know Napa vineyards, Beckstoffer are the uh, like six heritage vineyards that are out of this world. So anyway, those B-Sellers, Beckstoffers, if you can get your hands on that, by all means. They're not cheap. But holy shit, they changed the way you look at cabs. How, what is it? Be- Beckstoffer. 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 Outrageously good cabs. Good stuff. Well worth it. So I'm going to recommend a book I have not read. Uh, That's an interesting take, but I can't wait to hear it. I just picked it up yesterday uh, during a talk by the author. I told you about this. Yes. Um, so Marta Cohn, first name M-A-R-T-H-E. Marta. Madda, not, not Marty. Matika Kong. Matika. Right? Yeah. Perfect. Last name, uh, C-O-H-N. When she was in her like 20s and 30s, she was 4'11". She's tiny-er now. She's 98 years old. Wow. Whoa. Okay, so I'm going to run through my best synopsis of this story because it's fucking wild. So imagine this woman. She's a nurse. She grows up. She grew up in Metz in France just after World War One, And after, during World War One. Metz was German, and it reverts back to France after the First World War. Mm. So she grows up speaking German with her parents and French among her siblings. 
becomes a nurse, and then World War II happens. She enlists when her sister uh, is arrested, who later ends up at Auschwitz. So she's Jewish. Because it's the military and they don't really give a shit what your professional background is, she's a nurse and they just assign her to be a social worker. And at some point in there, she comes in contact with somebody higher ranking in the army <clears throat> who finds out that she's a nurse who, because she grew up in Metz, speaks fluent German. Mm -hmm. So this tiny woman who now uh, who ends up winning uh, or being awarded the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this in French, but the military medal is like the highest military honor uh, in France. Their Purple Heart. Yeah, like their Purple Heart uh, ends up a spy. So on foot, they have her cross into Germany and pretend to be looking for her Nazi fiancé and ends up informing the Allies, crossing the border over and over on foot, just pretending to be a nurse, ends up, like, nursing an SS officer oh back to health, and he's, like, telling her all kinds of shit. She's the only reason, because apparently, like, the Allies, other than France, weren't telling France about what was happening on the Eastern Front for some reason, which I had no idea about. But anyway, so the book is called uh, Behind Enemy Lines, The True Story of a French-Jewish Spy in Nazi Germany. Uh, highly recommend picking this up. I don't know how well-written or not it is, but the story is insane. Just that this woman was crossing over and over, uh, again, on foot, before, obviously before cell phones, before anything, and she's just pretending to be a nurse for the Nazis. Uh, my favorite part of the story was that she's talking about this SS officer who, as she's nursing him back to health, was bragging about how he could smell a Jew from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Amazing. Uh, and she's the only reason that all kinds of shit came to light for the Allies. Like, she was just informing them on all kinds of, like, movement patterns and all kinds of all kinds of stuff. So, uh, And also, she's on a speaking tour now. So I, I went to um, uh, the Chabad Center in Kendall. Uh, I found out about this event on Facebook. I had no idea who she was or, or anything. I'd never been to this place. But they're on a speaking tour, so if you have one of these places near you, uh, I think they're they're doing a lot of this sort of thing because it's uh, Holocaust Remembrance Week. And mm. uh, but yeah, definitely pick this up. And if you have a chance to see her speak in person, she's ninety eight, you know, so it's, you know, time is the clock is ticking on how long you can hear this firsthand. Um, so yeah, behind enemy lines, the true story of a French Jewish spy in Nazi Germany. I'll be starting to read that in the next week or so. But all right, great cool story. All right, so anything else we want to get into before we uh, cut these things off and eat whatever we just got from Delicia de España over here? Thank you guys for having us. Yeah. Thank you guys oh, for man, coming. Thanks. Yeah, this thanks was much awesome. Awesome. Yeah, this was, was great. It was a lot of fun. This was like the most organized podcast me and Mike have ever done. <laughs> <laughs> just so with the exception yes. of the one that he did yeah. with me. Happy right. on the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, if you want to Google what Hape is, just look oh, for Brazilian man. rape. That's the <laughs> that's that's the way to search for that in Google. Uh, anyway, all right. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks to you, the listener, for listening to both Tea Time with Mike and Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the sign off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, no. I'm, I'm totally. I, I want to end on that. Oh, heard. That's, right, that's right, going to be yeah, the strongest. Good. We can't. We can't do it if show. we can't end like that. Yeah, uh, and to the Cigar Snub Podcast, uh, we already did all the plugs. So sign us off here, ladies and gentlemen. 
thanks a lot for joining us in this smoke-filled room for an afternoon of exciting conversation. And we hope that your 2019 is coming off to an exciting start, and we wish you all the best. And we look forward to, uh, jo- to seeing you at Ariette, seeing you at Sip Jojo, or hoping that you are flipping through the pages of a Cigar Snob magazine with your loved ones. Take care now. With your loved ones. <laughs> and then it helps to finish with, take care now. Take care now.